Hello, hello, hello. This is Editing Zach here with a couple updates and some facts I need to get straight before you start this episode. There's, so there's a couple of times I mix up Tab and Tony's contracts. So Tab had a five-year contract with Warner Brothers, and Tony had a seven-year contract with Paramount. Also, the age difference <laughs> between Alan Glasser and Tab Hunter was 28 years. It was not 50 years. Tab was about 52-ish around there, and and and... I think that's where I mixed it up. Sorry about that. It's it's going to be fine, Zach. It's going to be fine. I love your Elvis and Let's Goku inspired hairstyle. Let's start the episode. How about that? <laughs> Hello, gentle listeners, and welcome to Coffee and Tequila, a morning show on Monday and a late show on Friday. I am Alistair, and I am Zach, and this is a podcast slash talk show that focuses on storytelling. If you love stories as much as we do, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and a a five-star rating, and perhaps maybe a comment if you're watching, and a like, and maybe perhaps sharing the episode if you you enjoyed the content. And if you prefer a visual medium, then you can find (laughs) us on ACB Bonus Features channel, uh, where you can watch us and see how crazy Zach's hairs looks. These, oh my gosh, listen, listen, okay. Okay. This is this is how I we, we deserve a like for this. We're <laughs> writing a simple writing. I get comments and DMs, or I get DMs all the time about about how much I wear my hat. Okay, and well, this is why I wear my hat all the time. Well, uh, let, me, let me tell you, nobody <laughs> touches Zach's top of the head except for Zach. My hair is unmanageable. It doesn't matter if it's long. It doesn't matter if it's short. And it, it's just unmanageable. That's why I'm always wearing my hat. But I'm doing it for you fine people. I'm take, I took the head off, and now you, you get this, this. I did, and I, and I cut my hair right before this because this was this right before, <laughs> before we did this. So let's get into the episode. The episode is kindly being sponsored by Helix Sleep. As always, and we'll let you know a little bit more about Helix Sleep a little bit later on in the episode, but First, we're going to talk about a little bit about Tab and Tony and the fan casting that we asked y'all to do at the end of the last episode. So we we did part one of Tab and Tony. If you haven't listened to this is part two. If you haven't listened to part one, go listen to part one. Come back at the end of part one. We asked everybody uh, who they would cast as Tab and Tony in a movie or TV series, and yes, to definitely check that one out. And by the way, I. In honor of Tab, he came I am dressed wearing as Tab a Hunter. He's, he's going to say he top. wasn't trying to dress like Tab Hunter, but he was no, absolutely I re- I, trying I to dress like I literally just said that I was he, trying to he, dress like Tab Hunter. Did you? Yes, I said I inspired. I didn't think you would admit I said that. I'm inspired. Inspired. For, yes, you inspired. You were trying to be Tab Hunter no, is what not, I'm saying. No, definitely not. <laughs> I tried to match your energy, baby, but I had to sh- shove my body in, a, in this black polo from American Eagle that I'm pretty damn sure came from high school it's definitely stretching your arms (laughs) (laughs) but i tried i tried to look nice you know my uniform is just a natural t-shirt and jeans and that's just uncomfortable and a hat (laughs) (laughs) let's get into some of this freaking fan casting who did you let's start with you let's start with this who who are you fan casting as tab and tony i had a really hard time with this and i actually had to pull from some of the answers that we got I did the same thing. Y'all really, really helped me in terms of figuring out who I would cast as it, um, as Tab and Tony. So for Tony, I've Ben Wishaw. And look him up. Ben Wishaw. Ben Wishaw. Ben Wishaw. And he is a, he has like a more skinny, like look, here he is. Here he is. 
um, if you haven't seen him before. I could see that. Put some brown contacts in. Exactly, and I think that he would look exactly like Tony. Because Tony's tall, dark, and handsome, and a little bit lanky, right? So I could see that. A little bit creepy, you know. (laughs) A little bit creepy. creepy. You know, so Anthony Perkins, because of Psycho, like adopts the creepy role, right? And he kind of leaned into it in his career at certain points. But I think Tab Hunter's eyes were even crazier than Tony Perkins's. Um, I think that you'll find if you... You'll find that his... That sorry, you'll find that Tony was actually kind of creepy before. Like I think, well, he was kind of creepy before and kind of creepy you after. You have crazy eyes. I do not. You have, have like serial eyes. killer eyes. Sometimes you, sometimes his eyes are just like wide open all the time. So, anyways, for Tab Hunter, I would cast Trevor Donovan from Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Did you watch Nine Hundred Two One Zero? The new one. Um, I watch watched his storyline. He had the gay storyline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Trevor Donovan is is gorgeous. He's a gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah, man. that's why I would cast him as Tab. Hmm. Trevor Donovan's a little big. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just getting past. I need to get past the physique because I think Trevor Donovan has bigger muscles, right? Well, isn't Tab supposed to be okay. a beefcake? He was supposed to be a beefcake. Okay. Okay. We'll, so I feel we'll like the beefcake it. back then versus the beefcake now it is a lot, little bit different. A, slender, a little bit different. I think, uh, I, I think it'd probably be more modern inspired because you want people to yeah. kind of like get it. I feel like. I don't know. I think I started out our last episode really thinking that Andrew Garfield could play Tony. And I think I still go with that. I think Andrew Garfield would play a really good Tony Perkins. Yeah, so I'm going to stick I, with I that agree. one. And then uh, this is the episode I got from the call man. Zach Efron, I think would make a really good tab hunter. Make him blonde. Shave him up a little bit. I'm going to have to veto that one. Maybe he could just lose a little bit of the muscle, tiny bit of the muscle, and I think he would look really good as, as Tab Hunter. So I'm going to go with Zac Efron and Andrew Garfield. But Zach, isn't Zac Efron short? But lifts in his shoes. They make Tom Cruise look tall in every damn movie he's in. I mean, you're right. You're yeah, right. we can do something. Movie trickery. Give it, get an apple box. <laughs> make him stand on an apple box. I am also short, Alistair. Are you saying something? You are also short. Are you saying something about us? But we're not trying to play Tabby Tony, are we? We are. This looks like an ad- audition to me. Spe- is this an audition? Speaking of auditions and casts, so yeah. uh, feel free whenever Tab and Tony, the movie, comes out to credit us as the cast. We are the casting department. The casting Coffee. department the casting for that de- movie. Department of Coffee Tequila, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and you all helped us narrow, narrow down the search. I would ask who should play us in a movie. But I don't know if I want to hear. The I don't answer. want to hear the answer either. <laughs> no, no. Why would he even bring up that question? I know. Now we're gonna get it. Um, some of y'all's answers though. We didn't have time. Timothy Shalom. We, we couldn't write down everything. Oh my God! Please don't do Timothy Shalom. Um, we we even joked at the end of part one to each other when we got done recording that somebody was gonna put Timothy Shalom and two people put Timothy Shalom. Timothy yeah. Shalom cannot play everything. Okay, he had you had him and call me by your name. Stick with that. You know, I know he's I know he's a cannibal. No, it's not Timothy Chalamet. No, I know. You're thinking I'm, of. Talk, I'm talking about Army Hammer. Oh, but yeah. He'd be a good tab. If he though. wasn't a cannibal, I think he would have been a nice tab. I didn't even <laughs> think about him, but he would be a good tab. <laughs> Let's not do this. I feel like well, this, you know this what? is toxic. You know what? Right you don't know he's a cannibal, and for legal reasons, you but allegedly lots have of heard allegations of sexual abuse as well. Yes, so allegedly, you've heard that. Just stuff. all the way around. Maybe we Let's won't not cast him as tab hunter. Um, but some of y'all's picks we got uh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, I like where where your energy's at. I like where your energy is. I'm going to go with a no. Yes, I I don't see him playing a non-Australian slash Asgardian. (laughs) He can't do that. Uh, Zach Efron again. Evan Peters. Um, No. We've got 
Maybe. I don't know. We've got Channing Tatum. There's a lot of people who mentioned Channing Tatum. We were more referring to Channing Tatum being the same caliber Career. actor. Yeah. As Tab Hunter was. Um, so I can't really. Yeah. I don't really see Channing Tatum playing Tab I Hunter. do not see it very much. You know, I, I don't see it at all, actually. Jacob Elordi from like Euphoria. No. Mm-mm. Ryan Gosling. Possibly. I could have seen it. Not now. I think maybe a little bit before. Um, Alexander Ludwig, Billy Magnuson. Ludwig? Billy Ma- Ma- Magnuson? I see it. Mm-hmm. I just think that he also might be I a little I also think Alex Pettifer would be a good one. You showed me him before this, yeah. and I'm surprised that we hadn't like talked about him before. I feel like people. I feel like Alex Pettifer's one that slips people's minds a lot. Um, all right, for Tony, we've got Andrew Garfield. A couple people said Andrew Garfield, so I really am on board I, for that I one. see it. I'm not sure about the age at this point. <laughs> And he, I think he could do it. Shut up, man. He's you, playing like we, a 20-something-year-old. Oh, at 2-0, however you're old. How, how, how old are we going here? Because these are people who are dead. They've had a full lifetime. Um, we are going for their romantical trysts, okay. which happened in their 20s. Eddie Redmayne. I can't get behind that No. One. Nick Robinson, I thought, was an interesting one. From Love, Simon. I think that could work. If they darkened his eyebrows, maybe darkened his hair, I think he could work. I, I do think I, so. I think he could work, but yeah. but, but would it be... Pro- he gives me energy of, like, the trying-to-be-serious actor guy, you know? But he'd also be playing another gay. I wonder if that's an issue. Who cares? He can do that. I say yes. The gay says yes. I'm going to give him the best. The gay. The gay. As a gay, I, I approve this message. Uh, <laughs> Sebastian Stan, no, I'm not really, not really on board with that one. Yeah. Adam Driver. He's too big. I think so too. Uh, Tim, um, Tim, and, it, it, and like, like Tony is tall, but Adam Driver is also like he's, big. Oh, he's like an ox. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I couldn't see people casting a tab opposite him. Timothy Chalamet. No, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I know a bunch of you really want him to be that, but no. You want Timothy Chalamet in every damn movie, so whatever. I'm gonna shit on it. Um, Zachary, Tim, Timothy Chalamet can't always be Timothy Chalamet. Zachary Kunto. I can see it. Yeah. But I, I also we'll think talk he's about a little that bit too old. Like, oh, whatever, man. Whatever. Getting hung up on the age. I think you're a little bit ageist. Uh, I think you're, I I think you're projecting your own insecurity about I think age. that you're confusing me. How old are you now? 41? You know what? <laughs> we, we're just going to continue this, and I'm going to let people believe that. So, Oh, really? I'm just going to let You're not even going to fight I it don't anymore. care. I don't care about oh, you age. don't care? I do not care about age. I'm going to get thumped upside the head as soon as we stop rewarding. That's much more than that. Uh, okay. All right, coming up, Tab and Tony, A Hidden Hollywood Romance Part 2. We're going to cover the end of their relationship and where their lives kind of go right after they break up. I mean, everything from the ups, the downs, and I guess conversion therapy. Eek, 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 eek. Not looking forward to covering that, but first a word from our <laughs> from conversion therapy to Helix Sleeve. A word from our sponsor, Starts Now. Now it's time to tell y'all a little bit about our sponsor for today's episode, Helix Sleep. Helix is a premium mattress and a box company that makes beds to fit your unique sleep style. We had so much to do on our to-do list yesterday, and we got exactly one or two of them done because we spent so much time in bed. Well, I would argue that we got so much of it done that we had so much time to spend in bed. Oh my gosh, so much river activities. Right? Yes, so you got to think activity. of that, the bed half full. 
half full. <laughs> it's never half full when it, Brando is taking up 85% of it. I don't know how he takes up so much <laughs> of the bed. But he enjoys it, if not as much, then more than we do. Yeah, I think we got done a little bit of our chores yesterday, and we just kind of like felt done with the day and just just laid down, chilled, watched some stuff. I don't think we'd watched movies together in a while, and so we watched a few of Tab and Tony's movies. We watched Grave Encounters. We watched Damn Yankees. Ghosts. We did watch Damn Yankees. I really want to watch Say uh, Le Guerre with, Le, with oh, uh, the French one. Etchka and, mm. and Clint Eastwood's in that one. I didn't even know. Oh, but yeah, so our, our Helix Sleep mattress was the great place that we spent yesterday. And it was, it was <clears throat> everything I could have asked for. I love just laying in, in bed. And just to clarify for for people, Brando is our dog, not our like additional our third, third lover. Our th- who uh, people know? People know. Is it I would hope so. <laughs> I don't. I just don't want people His to get the wrong Marlon idea. Brando. I don't know. It gets a little. <laughs> Felix knows that everybody is different and everybody has their own unique needs, and so they've made a sleep quiz that'll match you with your perfect mattress based on your needs. I am an all over sleeper. Alistair is more of a side sleeper. He likes a firm mattress. I like uh, you know more medium. We took the quiz together and we got the Midnight Mattress. And one of the best parts about Helix is that they deliver the mattress right to your door for free. It comes rolled up in a box and is super easy to set up yourself. And if it makes you nervous to buy something online that you haven't tried, Helix has a 100 night sleep trial so you get more than 3 months to make sure that you absolutely love it. And if you don't, they'll pick it up for you and you'll get a full refund. If you or somebody you know is in the market for a new mattress and you think that Helix sounds right for you, you can go to helixsleep.com slash tequila and you can get up to $200 off of your mattress and two free pillows. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, same sources as last time. We're going to be using Tab Hunter Confidential, his autobiography, and the accompanying uh, documentary that's based on the autobiography. And we're going to be using a biography about Anthony Perkins called Split Image. He did not have any participation in this i think he was already dead by the time the biography came out so yes. he, was, he did not have participation in this and but, the a and e documentary and an a and e documentary based on anthony perkins and the wikipedia page if there's anything we just need like quickly summarized right but we did fact check everything that we did so i'm pretty much covering tab hunter's autobiography and you were covering anthony perkins, anthony perkins biography yeah. so i'm really curious i've been really curious going through this sort of story seeing where they differ, you know, where the stories and the accounts differ, because there's not a whole lot of their relationship in Dab Hunters. Well, also not but, as much relationship in um, Anthony Perkins's book, mm-hmm. but that's also because, like, actually a lot of this was taken from interviews with Tab Hunter. Well, I searched Tab Hunter's name on the database where we when or in the in the yeah. in the book, and I think I saw Tab more in that one than. Anthony was was mentioned in this one. Well, I, actually, it's weird because Tab doesn't only come up as Tab. Sometimes he comes as, up as TH. Oh, really? A lot of times they, <gasps> they're referred as TNT. Oh, oh I love it. I TNT. love it. That's so <laughs> yeah. cute. <laughs> they actually have super cute like portions of the relationship. So I'm excited to talk about the super cute portions of the relationship until, unfortunately, you know they split off. All right. Now, picking up kind of where we left off in part one, uh, Tab Hunter at this point is now... An established actor in Hollywood. You know, he is not so much an up-and-comer anymore as he has made it. 
Yes, at this point, he was the highest earning person at Warner Brothers. This is like this is his peak, kind of like the nineteen fifty five ish years. He is years the around star. there. He is a star, right? And the studio system again is on the way out. The studios are not really signing stars anymore for long contracts, and stars are more, you know, doing independent contracts with different studios and doing different projects, picking their own projects. And Tab is one of like the the last few who are doing this and Tony is as well. So Tab is, yeah. Tab is signed into a five year contract with Warner brothers. And, uh, this, this also included, uh, uh James Dean, Natalie Wood, and James Dean only signed for, with like, for like three pictures. He didn't sign for a long term deal, but he only signed for like three pictures, which is something that Tab Hunter probably should have done. But I think the idea of getting like a, a, a seven year, seven year contract with, Warner Brothers was like super attractive to him. It's like steady paycheck. You know, he's supporting his mother as well. So I think that was probably really attractive to him and he probably just signed whatever, you know. Um, Tony did the same thing, but he did it with Paramount. Mm-hmm. And it was also a seven-year contract. Well, yeah. So Tony is more of the the newcomer in town, right? Like Tony gets into Hollywood and has this movie coming up called Friendly Persuasion. Friendly Persuasion is, is – his performance in Friendly Persuasion has such a buzz that uh, it gets it gets noticed, right? Like people are talking about it. And so Paramount – uh, wants to sign him to a five-year contract, like immediately before the movie even comes out. It's definitely way before the movie comes out. So he, he was Hollywood's answer to James Dean. Because James Dean dies in 1955. Yes. And so then they're trying, which is weird that Paramount was trying to remake Tony Perkins and James Dean's image because James Dean was not signed with Paramount. He was signed with Warner Brothers. Oh, and really? all three of the, um, James Dean's movies before he died were Warner Brothers movies. Well, they, they probably yeah. saw an opportunity to fill a gap that they thought that, th- that there was in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And what's really interesting about Anthony Perkins, with t- Tony Perkins, as they were like putting him out to be, was that he had so many movies in the can mm-hmm. before um, he, Friendly Persuasion actually came out. You look at their filmographies, both of them, Tab and Tony, and they're, they're extensive filmographies. Like, they were working. They were working. They were working. One after the other, I after the other, after the other. Tony's is a lot longer than Tab's, but Tab, like, you look at it, and he's got a couple movies a year, man. Like, he's going for it. Um, so they meet at the pool at the Chateau Marmont and immediately strike up, like, a relationship, right? Like, this is almost instantaneous. Like, overnight, and it, yeah. it's going to be they're like... staying f- at each other's houses, or uh, Tony's more staying at Tab's place. They pretty much live together. Um, and they're driving the same cars. <laughs> so cute because like uh, Tab and Tony will start to like go on double dates with they the do. girls that they have to date anyways. And well, yeah, remember. So remember the the this relationship is is hidden. It's a down low relationship. I have titled this episode Tab and Tony: A Hidden Hollywood Romance, which some people. And our DMs have taken issue with. That is hidden? <laughs> they say that was not hidden. That hidden relationship was not hidden. Okay, so it was, this is this is yes and no, right? It was hidden in plain sight, exactly like you just said. So well, it, it was a badly kept secret is what it seems like. What's interesting is that uh, Tab and Tony were both part of like the it crowd in Hollywood at this time. Yes. You know, they're part of the youngins, you know, with the Natalie Wood and all of them. And... um they people knew about the relationship. They just didn't talk about it. So it yeah. was like a gen, genuinely accepted relationship. Um, Tab spe- specifically would be super tacit about it. He would never talk about it. Tony would occasionally talk about it to to certain members of their friend group. Right? To certain members, and of both the of their group. studios knew about it. Warner Brothers definitely knew about Tab because Tab had. Uh, an article come out in Confidential Magazine about uh, in the early days of Tab's career. Remember, he went to a limp-wristed pajama party. 
<laughs> and so uh, that that story came out in Confidential Magazine, and he was really embarrassed by it, but it really had no bearing on his, his career. It really did nothing for his career. And so Warner Brothers knew about Tab, and they pretty much left it alone. They didn't really ask about it. Um, Paramount also knew about Tony, and they were constantly hounding him about about not being homosexual. They're like, you got to go get a girlfriend. You can't be gay. You need to break up with Tab. They're really like pushing that the end of this relationship because Tab and Tony are really going out. So like they're being hidden. They're not in, in, in the sense of they're not going to come out and they're not going to have a public relationship. They're not going to walk into a ceremony or an award ceremony and hold hands or anything. They're always going to have a beard with them if they're together, you know, they, they are hiding this relationship, but in publicly, plain sight, but in plain sight, well, like and, if and, you were in their inner circle, you probably knew about it. And they keep on pushing girls onto them, especially Tony. So th- there's this one girl who who he goes on dates with, uh, Gwen Davis, and it's not working out. But she's kind of like a little bit she's obsessed like, with him. She's like she's fucking sprung. She's like she yeah. wants him. But she also has a little bit of a talent. So they go to like an opening night on like it's like the Purple Onion, and she decides to do stand up comedy. And if you remember Miss Maisel, what happened yeah. when she did stand up comedy? Uh, that's basically what happens here. And she makes a big joke that says, uh, Natalie would, but Tab wouldn't. wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because because Gwen was a little salty. Because she may or may not have known about Tab and Tony's relationship. And so she was kind of salty towards Tab and didn't really like Tab. She, because she, yeah, liked she did Tony. not like it at all. She wanted Tony, right? But like the studio, so the studios would set Tab. They wanted Tab and Tony each individually. Remember, they're not all working together. They wanted them each individually to be like this teen heartthrob. They wanted them to be like every teenage girl's dream boat, right? And so they were really pushing these images. And Tab kind of went along with it a little bit more than Tony did. I mean, I guess they both went along with it. They, 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 they both to. went along with, with it, but you can see one through reading Tab Hunter's book yeah. and two through like uh, going through like what people talked about um, Tony Perkins and Split Image is that they both were not about it at all. Anytime that they were away from Hollywood, they loved that time away from like yeah all the gossip columns. They did, and so so they're pretty much being set up on dates all the time, right? Because they they the studio wants them to be photographed on these dates. And so Tab mentions in his book that this was fine because you know back in those days, sex wasn't something. It wasn't uncommon to go weeks and even months sometimes dating without sex even coming up. And so he would date a couple girls, you know, for a week. Two oh weeks, yeah, you know, just a couple weeks before sex would even come up. Same. Then move on to the next one, you know. And the studio would set them up. They'd take pictures. They'd get pictures of award shows or out at a dance or out at a restaurant. And the same thing with Tony was happening, except Tony wasn't handling it as well because Tony, Tony really was wanting to be a serious actor, right? He comes yes. from New York. He comes from the theater world, like very New York City actor, and he wanted to be serious, and he didn't care about all of this persona that the studios were crafting the studios were very gung-ho about crafting a persona for their stars yes and creating a brand for their stars and and tab says that tony was not about the adulation that he didn't really care about what people thought Mm -hmm. except for his peers he only wanted like he wanted his peers to love what he was doing like in terms of acting Mm -hmm. but he really didn't care otherwise yeah Uh, and and you know they even (laughs) What I found were kind of funny is that they kind of dated the same girl sometimes. <laughs> well, I think every, it's, it sounds like everybody was sorry. It sounds like everybody was like dating yeah. everybody, 
and uh like they, they all just had to make the rounds especially based on whatever movie that yeah. you're in right and it seemed like the girls were doing it too even if they weren't you know homosexual even if they weren't lesbians and trying to you know just keep a cover they would go off and date boys that maybe the studio didn't want them dating right and so oh yeah they would in public be seen with tab hunter or anthony Burgess. you know they were all this was part of the job you know your public image was part of the job um and some people took it more serious than others, like Gwen Davis. Tab was more laid back in the relationship. He was the laid back one. He's the like blonde California surfer dude, you know. Um, and Tab very much makes it a point to say that Tony was nervous all the time. He was definitely an overthinker. He was always shaking his leg. I found that one like really relatable because I'm always shaking my leg out of nerves. And, uh, yeah, Anthony would shake his leg and Anthony was super punctual and always on time and always professional. Tabba puts it in a way that like, this is all bad stuff, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. So the, some of the ways that Tab talks about Tony in this book, it's a little bit like, it feels a little sour. It feels a little bit like he still is holding a little bit of a grudge for certain things that we will, we will come to. Yes, and it seems like, for me, when I was reading it, especially in the relationship, so if we're talking about the relationship specifically, it seemed like Tab just, he just wanted everything under wraps. He did, he, yeah. he was sick of people talking about him, and um, Tony was almost, almost about as openly gay as you could be, you know, amongst Hollywood people at the time, which had its own drawbacks itself. Is that what that one is saying? Because yes. in Tab's book, Tab is the one saying that Tony was always the one who wanted them to meet up separately and was very adamant that they arrive separately at different times and that it, it, Tony was the one really pushing for their relationship to, to be down low. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so who's, who, who's fucking telling the truth here, huh? I, I, huh? I, I believe uh, the accounts made for Tony yeah. uh, at this point. Uh, but th- th- there's some cute kind of meetups, you uh, know, that they have. They, they have a cute relationship. It's like, it, it's hidden. Like they have to keep it hidden, but they still have these like really cute moments together. They, and every evening they play, it seems ping pong and they just chat about life and the careers. Well, and- it's, it's funny because like, uh, you know, tab showed, uh, Tony, how to uh, water ski. Yeah. And so, um, Tab showed Tony, Tony how to do a lot of stuff. It's, so, 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 Tony bought ping pong stuff for Tab for Christmas yeah. so that he could like show him something. Yeah. And then, um, uh, they wanted to go on dates and they didn't always want to double date. So they would like, you know, drive way off, uh, go to a movie and then both enter separately. Oh. There's actually an account of somebody watching them do this where one of them will come in. Yeah. And the other one will come in later and they'll one of them will sit in the back and the other one in the front. And then like partway through the movie, they'll move to be together. Yeah. And this person was like, I was watching this entire thing and it was like way too drawn out. They just could have just they come just together. They just could have gone sat, in and sat, sat there together. Because it just looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, um, I had this buddy who I used to go see movies with sometimes and he would always set a seat apart from me in the movie oh, theater. Oh, he's, he's, he's got to keep that straight ones. gap. I just see you roll my eyes. I'd be like, this is so fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> this is, and this is when I wasn't out either, but I still would have sat next to somebody, you know? It's such a weird thing. Is, like, I but I mean, like, I get the feeling of, I remember the feeling of trying to keep things hidden, you know, and the length you'll go to to keep things hidden sometimes. And so... Which they, is, first is kind of hot, but then it gets old. It gets old and it gets sad and it gets frustrating. And I think that both of them were probably very frustrated that they couldn't. But I also think that maybe at the beginning of the relationship, Tony was a little bit more 
wanting to be cute with his boyfriend, you know? Um, but I think as his career really starts to take off, he wants... He's very career-minded, and I think he's more willing to play along. So, uh, as we said, Paramount is very hard on Tony, very yes. abusive to Tony in the way that they speak to him about this relationship, and they're always like on his ass about breaking up with Tab. They want him to break up with Tab, and there's about one point the head of Paramount brings uh, Tony into his office, and he just berates him, yells at him, shouts at him, tells him, you are going to break up with Tab Hunter. You're going to break up. You go, you can't do this. This is going to be the end of your career. Blah, 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 blah. Just really like berating him about it. <laughs> he screams. <laughs> but I love him. Uh, and what, he's what, like, what movie did out. we say that was? Uh, oh, Yesterday, gosh. we I, were I, watching something. You were telling me, and I, I was like, oh, well, he'll remember it when we have to talk <gasps> about it. Selena. It was when we were watching oh, Selena. Yeah, yeah, it was right. It's like, because she said, but daddy, I love him. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. So Tony like stands up and shouts at the, the head of the the studio, but I love him. And the studio head's mouth is just, the jaw, his jaw is just dropped. Just right? open. And Tony leaves, and it is, tensions are high, right? Like he could not believe he just said that. So th- th- this happens actually while he's on the set of um, Fear Strikes Out. Is it? Ooh. Yes. Ugh. We're getting to Fear Strikes Out. Oh, we're getting we? there. We're okay, getting okay. there. I don't think we're I'm there. I'm very yet. excited about that one. Uh, Tab also is like, so again, the way Tab kind of speaks about Tony in this really heavily hints to some sour feelings. Tab, Tony, or Tab mentions that Tony is burdening, he's constantly burdening himself onto Venetia Stevenson about their relationship. And that Tab didn't even know, like the, the way it's described, right? Like Tony would burden himself onto Venetia on, and, and about our relationship. So Tab didn't even know that like some of the members of the friend group knew about their relationship. And because he was more tacit about it. Yeah. And he didn't want to say he was more careful, but Tony was going to like Venetia because Venetia, he met Venetia through tab and became really good friends with Venetia. And he went to, he was going to Venetia bitching about his boyfriend. Is that tab so mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like it's just normal relationship stuff, right? Like he's bitching. He's got to bitch about his boyfriend to somebody. And so he's going to Venetia and Venetia pretty much like Venetia pretty much says to tab like, yeah, um, we all kind of know about it. We just wouldn't want to say anything because you are kind of hot-headed and you kind of, you yes. know, blow up. And the, if we figured if we ever brought it up that you would blow up and you would, you have a temper. And this is what I get a lot from Tap Hunter uh, in terms of him in a relationship is that he's hot-headed mm-hmm. and probably doesn't want to talk about the issues that are at hand. And for Tony, I think that Tony can be very manipulative. Well, I think Tony was totally, Tony wanted Tony wanted things to be a certain way, right? So like like I said earlier, Tab was a little bit more laid back and Tony was a little bit more rigid about things. And so Tony, like even, there's even an instance where Tony is at an interview and he puts his stopwatch between him and the interviewer oh, I, and I read sets it, it. So then I think this was multiple interviews This is, and he would set it. And when that ran out, it didn't matter if he was mid-question, Tony smiles and he gets up and he leaves, right? So he has things The, the, the he, creepy Tony smile? The psycho Norman Bates mall. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, that's just how he was. So he was very about like being on time. And like Tab mentions that it's because of Tony that he even starts keeping a calendar in the first place, right? Because he, Tony gets so mad that if Tab is even late for anything. Um, so there's points of contingent here in this relationship. But the real, uh, and also Tab just mentions, like, I found this a little bit 
I don't even know if I'll be able to find it. it. I don't think I'll be able to find it just that easily. Tab pretty much says that he thinks that Tony's facade might be fake. That he thinks his nice boy and shy boy image is fake and in order to manipulate people into doing which what he wants. I don't disagree because a lot of people say that in the split image book. They're like, he cried and I've heard him cry like that in this movie. And it'd be like, you know, like again, yes and no though, because I do think Tony was a very high, strong, very nervous energy, uh, uh, overthinking fucking wreck. You know, also, I think he was, I think he really was that person, but I do think he was thinking 10 steps ahead of people or at least thought he was at times, you know, and he's also gone, gone through a lot of trauma. Now that have hasn't, but they both gone through trauma. And I think that's, you deal with it differently, and sometimes you incorporate your trauma into your acting space. I guess absolutely, absolutely. Oh well, yeah. As an actor, most yeah. most actors will do that, right? They'll give the long. Let's not talk about Lady it's, Gaga it's, going through the the um, <laughs> talking about every role she's ever taken, well, all the interviews she ever talks about. Especially nowadays, I mean, at that point where like the method acting was yeah. like the big, the whole new like acting like like a uh, thing to do was method acting, mm-hmm. which I mean now gets a lot more flack. Yeah. But so their relationship is fine so far. Like it's just fine. They're, they're, they're both working. They're both just hanging out. They're, you Meeting know, sneaking with around other. with each other. They're Tristing. enjoying their relationship and they're having a lot of really deep conversations. And one of these deep conversations, they're playing ping pong one evening and this is like multiple evenings, actually. And Tab Hunter is always talking about this role in Fear Strikes Out. So Tab Hunter played Jim Pearsall, which was a baseball player, in a TV movie for Fear Strikes Out, right? And he really wants Warner Brothers to buy this project to make it into a, a full-blown movie for the big screen where he can play Jim Pearsall. And it's really near and dear to his heart because there's a lot of mental health issues discussed in it and tab hunter's mother was had, was also having mental health issues right and he was really paying for um her her treatment and so like mental health was something that he was very interested in um and he's telling he tells this is where i kind of flip the script because i've always i felt really bad for tony up until this point and so tab is like pouring his heart out to tony telling him how much this role means to him how much he wants this role and that warner brothers just won't buy it for him and so tony goes to paramount and then one day, one day they're playing ping pong, Tab and Tony, and Tony mentions, oh, guess what? Um, Paramount just bought Fear Strikes Out for me, and I'm going to play Jim Pearsall. My jaw dropped. I was like, oh. I read, I, I literally read the same thing that you read in Tab Hunter. I read that, and then I read it in Split Image. So what the story is told in Split Image and let's keep in mind that this is all told by Tab Hunter. This is like his point of view, and I think that's completely valid. Yeah. And I think Tony could have done better than just like just blurb out that you know I got this yeah. role. But this from, isn't technically the one you are reading. Isn't technically Tony's side of the story, right? No, it's not Tony's side of the story. It's taken from a lot of other people. Yes. So uh, what I got was at the time Jack when Tab Hunter had asked for Jack Warner to buy that. Um, Jack Warner was headbutting with Henry Wilson. Um, the manager for of Tab Hunter, Rock Tab Hudson. Hunter's original yes. manager, um, and, and they were headbutting a lot, so he decided not to buy it. So instead, Paramount bought the picture, and they wanted um, Tony to play it, and it kind of be like an East of Eden for t- for Tony, uh, so that it could be like a kind of vehicle for him mm. to be like a James Dean. The weird thing about this, though, is Tony. So back then, 
you know, American football isn't as wasn't big at all. Everything was about baseball. Baseball yeah. was huge. I know. And Tab Hunter, he's an athletic dude. He's a dude that, you know, it, it like goes out, likes baseball, stuff like that. Tony's completely the opposite. He actually kind of has like some childhood trauma around baseball. Yeah, because he was bullied into taking, playing fucking sports instead exactly. of just being able to do theater like he wanted. And, and it's like people around him. So he accepts the role. He's, I mean, he has to accept the role. And now he has to do Fear Strikes Out, which is what his boyfriend wanted. So I feel like that's a very and and, and you know like it's not something that he would have chosen though. for himself. I don't know. That sounds it doesn't fishy seem like something he would have chosen for himself. That sounds fishy to me, um, because Tony really was listening to Tab talk about this role over and over again, and I do believe Tab when he's saying that. And so you think that he was just? Being I think Tony took the role. I think Tony went and got that role. Watched <laughs> the performance. Watched it somehow. To went to went to Paramount. And they got that role for him. Paramount's wanting Tony to be the straightest freaking actor they have, right? Baseball movie, of course. We're gonna get you this baseball movie. I, I, I sure, just don't buddy. think so because, like, so, so the accounts from this, um, from all, okay, so Fear Strikes Out starts. Yeah, they right? start filming it. The, uh, oh, it I'm it, curious to know this. So they, they they start filming it. They hire an actual like uh, baseball star to come and start coaching yeah. uh, Tony and. It is not working out. He's trying the best he can. Not only do, are they trying to coach the baseball, but also um, they're making him do everything right-handed again. Yeah. Instead of left-handed. And so now he has to learn how to do all this athletic stuff right-handed. At the same time, Tab frequently visits the mm-hmm. set. And it's a very open secret. Everybody nope. knows what's nope. going nope. on. Everybody knows what's going on. And he's visiting the set again and again and again. And um, Tony gets made fun of a lot for it. Everybody was, is jeering, jeering him. Um, they're calling him queer slurs, stuff like that. And he'll lock himself up. I feel like we're on two sides of these, this, this equation, baby. I, think, I feel like best. we're fine. No, Tab Hunter says <laughs> no. he never visited the set more than one time because the first time he visited the set, he got a cold shoulder from everybody. And everybody was saying that he, him being there was distressing Tony. So he never went back. Also, Tab Hunter is not just this bum hanging around. He can go to somebody else's set every day. Tab Hunter has got booked movies back to back to back. He's got two movies lined up with natalie wood he is working he's doing the burning hills and the 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 girl they he left behind well i'm telling you that in this accounting it said that he visited set a lot until paramount put a stop to it and told tony that he it was no longer uh that tab was no longer allowed to be on set well and, and then uh tony said okay and then would go and have public lunches with tab in the book, in Tab's book, Tab says, that's utter bullshit. Well, Tab <laughs> is wrong. Tony is wrong. Tony's biographer is wrong. <laughs> so Tab pretty much has to suck this up, right? This isn't the end of the relationship, even though I think it would be fair for him to end the relationship because of this, because of this I betrayal. So. Uh, I see it as a betrayal. I don't know. I, did, I, think, no, it I, I, I think Tony could have handled it better, and I think that that might be a grounds. But I, I, it doesn't seem malicious to me. Anyway, Tab did not end the relationship here, but he did say, he mentioned that the relationship was never the same after that. There, It was always strained, and there was always a little bit of tension between them because of that. Um, but Tab had to suck it up, you know? He had other projects to do. He went and filmed two other movies right at, you know, instead of this, and, and they were very successful movies. Him and Natalie Wood 
were being paired up as the dream team now, right? Like they, yeah. Paramount, or not Paramount, uh, Warner Brothers really wanted them to be the dream team. So they did two movies together, two out of three, he rejected the third one. But it seems like Tab and Tony just, from here, their careers are just going full speed ahead, right? And so they're working all the time, each of them. They don't really have a whole lot of time to see each other. Yeah, and more so Tony. So that's why I, I more I, so Tony. I think more so Tab Tez, but working very hard. Well, th- <laughs> that's why I love to like take apart like little little snippets of the relationships that they yeah. have. So um, there is one where so they both had Thunderbirds, right? Yeah. And uh, Tab had a mustard colored one, and uh, Tony had a Tab says he had a black one, a powder blue one. So it says it here. Uh, uh, and so what happened is so that they wouldn't be seen driving together, they would just drive along each other. Mm -hmm. But eventually Tony decided to get his Thunderbird painted. So it looked exactly like the same color as tabs. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, there's another instance in an interview uh, where they ask him um, who he prefers. And he says he's, he prefers blondes over brunettes. And he says, he doesn't know why. And then he says, um, at some point, he's like, I don't think I could act as well if I was married. So that's why I don't want to consider marriage. But see, he, he said it's he prefers love. It is just so adorable, right? Their <laughs> yeah. relationship is adorable. And then we it's get like, back to where why. they like each other again. And, <laughs> and um, there's, I mean, but there's a bunch of magazines that come out too, like really questioning. There's always, there's oh, always gay yes. rumors questioning everything, right? There's always, everybody's in freaking Hollywood, it seems like there's a gay rumor about. Um, and there's like on magazines, we can pull them up and it says, you know, they're pictured tab owner and then off in the corner it's anthony perkins and it says why won't anthony perkins bring a girl home to mother or something <laughs> yeah. like, that. like we know it's a tab right next door this is him this is the boyfriend this that's is the, the reason um anthony even like met tab's mother i think once you know oh my god i, I, I didn't see an accounting of that but i'm sure you didn't i'm sure that i'm sure the biography's not really talking about that one well maybe not but they definitely talk about the rendezvous in Rome. They just have this really sweet romance, but it seems like it's being pulled apart just because of their their schedules and their their hectic lives. You know, they're both very, and I think I think fairly so. They're they're young and in love, right? Well, so they're, they're young and love and career driven. If they want, yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being ambitious and career driven. And if your relationship is not lining up with that, it's okay to pick your career and, and keep moving forward, so. right? It's it's interesting to think about this relationship and to think if they would have lasted had their relationship been a little bit more accepted if it was, you know, came about at a time that it was a little bit more accepted. It's always very interesting because uh, you see a lot of Hollywood um, couples Mm -hmm. who, I would say Hollywood couples probably divorce and break up more often than non-couples. But I think that's also similar to the military where like you spend a lot of time apart. Yeah. You know, you spend spend a lot of time apart from people and sometimes it's hard to like get that back. Our relationship, we spent the first, it had to have been like four years, the first four years. Mostly apart. Maybe three years. Let's say three and a half years. Mostly apart, you know? Yeah. I think up till now we've spent more time together, but the first three years we spent more apart than we did together. It's hard. It's very hard. Exciting, but then it gets difficult. Yeah. So I'm sure every time they saw each other, it was really great, you know, and they probably had a lot of fun together and it was really nice. Um, but their careers were going, and like I said, Tab and Tab and Natalie were the dream team. They were the new dream team. There's there's a picture in Tab's book where they're standing on a fire escape because they're doing they're doing press for this movie, The Burning Hills, and they are on this fire escape. And below them, they had to like escape to the top of this fire escape because there's just fans everywhere. Did you see this picture? Or no, no, I did not. I'm gonna pull it up because I bet I can find it pretty easy. 
And it's just like the amount of fame that they had together. And then they would go up to the hotel room and talk about boys. And um, Tab, <laughs> Tab would talk boys. about Tony. And and um, Natalie Wood would talk about Elvis and how much she liked Elvis and wanted to hook up with Elvis. So it's like, it's funny there. It's like crazy, man. It's like mania. Oh my goodness. That's wild. They actually, oh my God. They like chased them into this abandoned warehouse and the guy that was with them was like a talk show host and he didn't want to miss a moment for publicity. So he had a photographer meet them on the fire escape and they took a picture of that and it was freaking wild. You, you know? know what? Business minded. That's what he was. Yeah. And Tab was really enjoying the success. What Tab really wanted though was a serious career like Tony. Tony was getting all of these serious roles. Natalie was getting these serious roles. Like all of his peers were getting really good, serious roles. And Tab says that he turned down the third, you know, Tab and Natalie movie because he's tired of playing a damn teenager at 27 years old and having oh, to say, gosh, gee, Willikers, dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, can I buy, borrow the car? You know, <laughs> <laughs> he got tired of it. He wanted serious roles. And so he starts, this is where he starts kind of butting heads with Warner Brothers. And because he's turning roles down and he doesn't work. He's not in any movies in the entirety of 1957. Like, he spends wow. almost the whole year just, like, bouncing around Europe. Um, but before that, before that, and we should talk about Echka Chiro. I'm hoping I'm saying her name right. Echka Chiro. Because this was a French woman who starred opposite him in C'est La Guerre. And I really want to watch this one. This is I'll probably watch we it watched tonight. We watched a clip. The trailer of it. Of yeah, it, we didn't yeah. have time to watch it before we recorded, but we're probably going to watch it tonight. Um and he, the first moment he met her, they didn't even speak. They didn't even speak each other's languages. He spoke English. She spoke French. They didn't speak each other's languages. And he, uh, he meets her at a party. You know, after she gets to America, and they're about to begin filming on this on this movie. And he says that he immediately like finds a connection with her. He likens it to a horse, and that he feels the same way with her as he does with horses. <laughs> I guess. I guess he's trying to make the impression that he that's can't a tab talk compliment. And, <laughs> It's a compliment in Tab. Tony would be like, "That's so Tab. <laughs> that's, <a>, that's so Tab." <laughs> um, but this turns; it gets very serious, you know. Throughout the filming of this movie, he finds himself like really deeply falling in love with this woman, and he says that like Tony is none the wiser. Tony doesn't, you know, recognize anything because they have to date people all the time, right? He never questions it. They don't really get jealous about it, um, so he doesn't think anything of it. But Tab feels really guilty. He doesn't say he really feels guilty because of Tony. He says he feels guilty because when he's with Tony, he's always feeling guilty in a relationship. If he's with Tony, he's feel he's feeling guilty because he feels like it's sinning, right? It's Catholic guilt. And then if he's with Natalie, or not Natalie, if he's with uh, Etchka, he's feeling guilty because he knows that he's lying to her, you know? That he won't be able to, like, be straight with her. Yeah, um, have, like, that kind of relationship. So that's where he's kind of, like, feeling the push-pull in his own sort of psyche, but it doesn't really say that he feels bad, you know, having this emotional affair with, with somebody behind Tony's back. Well, it's interesting because like reading through Tony's stuff is like, a, almost every single one of his relationships has been an open relationship. Yeah. I wonder if that was communicated between the it both could of have them. been, you know, it could have been, I said, this is relationship strikes me as like, they probably lightly touch on topics like this, but it's still yeah. pretty taboo to talk about stuff like this. So I bet they don't even talk about their own identities as gay men and stuff. It's, it's, well, it's funny because like Tony, he just, 
If he's not with Tab, he'd be hoeing around. Probably. Did he? Yeah. Am I finding out about this now? Is this yeah. He, he, he went to Thailand. Well, Tab and Etchka, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it does seem like they had more of an open relationship and that it wasn't an official relationship. It, it feels like this uh, this official it's relationship a, is starting to fade out a little bit. Um, it's also the distance, I feel like. With yeah. distance, like... I think open relationships are maybe a little bit more common or accepted. Yeah. You know? So Tab and Echika, this this movie is starting to wrap up, right? And there's this really interesting moment that you can see in the trailer, and I'm really excited to watch it in the film, where they literally don't speak each other's language. And so Tab is, there's a scene where they're together, and Tab is looking into Echika's eyes, and he just like is overwhelmed by the moment and says to her, marry me oh, on film. And Echika says, what? In like French, she doesn't know what he's saying, and he, and he says, "Just say yes." And she says, "We." Oui. Oui. <laughs> it is really sweet. Like it's really good. That's like a good moment, and especially something that really wasn't in the script or anything. Yeah. Oh, magic. Um, and then, like the last night, right before Ichika is supposed to leave, she goes to Tab's apartment. Fucking cheater. That's Tony in Tab's apartment. It shouldn't. I know. Shouldn't, mm, it makes me so mad. But she's and they're they're there together. And she wants him to come back with her to France or like to keep her there that she wants to be together, you know? Yeah. And he says, I really, I, I, I see this moment as like, I could have made the choice to live as a straight man. I could have had everything that I was supposed to have a family, you know, be straight. Um, but I was also very comforted by the fact that I knew she had a one way ticket back to France and I didn't have to commit. He's like, I'd and, love to flirt with this idea <laughs> while it's here, but you're going to have to go back home. So he doesn't commit. He doesn't commit. Yeah. And and this movie comes out, and it's good. And has Clint Eastwood in it. If you look it up, I, I he's got like a smaller role in it, but he's very yeah. handsome in this. He looks exactly like Scott Eastwood. Well, Tony, he's traveling around uh, doing all of his movies. So he goes to Thailand for a bit, and then he goes to Rome to f- film The Seawall. Mm. Um, but... They also plan a rant rendezvous, so Tab comes out there. And but Tony is loving being away from Hollywood. He is being the hoe he's always wanted to be. He does a lot of work, even post Tab and Tony. He does a lot of work in Europe. Um, yes, he's always like there. So this is this is happening during 1957 when Tab is not working, and Tab decides to leave the country, and he's just like. Going around. Traveling around, man. He's just going all around Europe. He wants to go see Ichika. He goes to Rome to see Tony. And it, it, it's, it's, it's an open secret at the point. And he's like out there, uh, like just ba- basically kind of being an open gay guy, you know, and then just t- t- telling his castmates, just don't tell people. I don't know about that because Tab says that. When he got to Rome, he went with his friend Dick. And when they got to Rome, everybody's a dick in this in this eight day and age. Um, when he goes to Rome to see uh, Tony, Tony's very uncomfortable. It's like very clear that Tony's very uncomfortable with Tab being there because uh, it, it like sends signals that they are together, right? And so he doesn't want Tab to be there. And so Tab and Dick end, end up leaving. So I did not get that from Split mm-hmm. Image. I mm-hmm. did not. Interesting. Um, But I I did get, like, at this point, everybody, like I said, is experimenting with the method acting. Oh, yeah. It's the new acting thing. Don't tell tell Jared Leto. And then he moves back to New York right now. He loves, for Tony, like, the place that he loves to be is obviously New York. Mm -hmm. You know, he feels most at home in New York. And he loves to be on, on stage doing his theater stuff and away from all of the freaking Hollywood gossip circuit. So, but what's going on right now? So Tab and Tony are still together, right? Yeah. But there's this guy 
Timmy Everett. <gasps> that fucking Timmy Everett. I'm going to beat his ass. He obsessed with Tony. But does Tony become obsessed with Timmy Everett? No. Okay. It's okay. Um, it's okay. I mean, Gwen, Gwen was obsessed. Uh, Tony's got something about him that everybody's getting obsessed with him. <laughs> they, uh, they might have hooked up. Yeah. Um, but uh, otherwise, uh, nothing on, on that front. But he gets so upset when Tab comes to visit. Uh, and, you know, like Tony's told Timmy Everett that, that hey, I, I don't want anything to do with this. And they call it in the book the T Triangle Tab, Tony, and Timmy. And Timmy. I'm not kidding you. He uh, he slits his wrists. He calls out for Tony. He says, "Go get Tony." Holy I'm shit. killing myself. Go get Tony. And Tony says, "I'm not like reacting to that, you know, like that kind of a thing." And like that's the last we like, like we hear of Timmy. So does after, Timmy die? Timmy doesn't die. Oh my god! He, he survives. He survives. Then starts doing hardcore drugs until he gets a heart attack. Ah, that's um, terrible. Which is super terrible. But um, it's towards like the. Is there an end to their relationship? That's the thing. Yes. Like, there's well, not towards the end of TNT, yeah. right? And at this point, um, the Paramount Studio has Psycho lined up for... Uh, not yet. Let's just backtrack just a moment because Tab and Tony both release singles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. In nineteen, We've been listening to them a lot. We, we... We we have uh, tab, so t- Tab releases his single "Young Love" in 1957, and it goes number one. It does. It is so successful, and he does it outside of Warner Brothers, and it is so successful that Jack Warner throws a fucking bitch well, fit. beats Elvis too. Uh, yeah, knocks Elvis off the top yep. spot, and Jack Warner is like, you know what, Tab? When you, we signed you to this contract, we own you for everything. And Tab's like, you don't have a record studio, and he and Jack Warner's like, we fucking do now. <laughs> And he starts his own record label under under Warner Brothers, um, and and Tab becomes like a recording artist, a pretty serious one. He puts out a lot of music, and his he, he sells. He does like his records do sell. Tabs, you know yeah. what I thought was really cute. Tabs's first single was "Young Love," and what yeah, was you know Tony's was first, first romance. romance. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I like both of them, but yeah. I, I want to say that I really just like listening to Anthony Perkins' I, music. I. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna play just a snippet of each of them for the for the listeners because I think I like Anthony Perkins is a little bit more too. Anthony yeah. Perkins is didn't also it didn't chart as high as Tab Hunters did. Well, his is more like it's very smooth, sorrowful. Right? Also, like he has a very sorrowful um, voice and it's very smooth. So here is Tab Hunter, and Tab Hunter is more like you're gonna dance a little bit. It's nice though. I like it. They say for every boy and girl, there's just one love in this whole world. And I know I found mine. I do believe it's about Tony, even though he didn't write it and it's a cover. <laughs> I know he had to have picked it. He was like, I have It's weird mine. that all of these songs seem to just be covers, that everybody was just covering each other's songs every couple of months. And so here is Tony's. First romance. It says 2008. I know that is wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I vibe to this one. I it feels like we're this. in like a jazz club or something, right? Or the Olive Garden. <laughs> no, no. I fell in love just a moment ago. 
Do you know this words? I, I, I don't think I could see it, sing it all the way through, but I know the words a little bit. If I'm a fool, won't you please let me know? This is my first romance. And all of Tony's music, they really make him sound like he's just this shy boy who like yeah. falling into romance. And he's like, oh, this is my first night swim. Please don't, you know. Hurt me, or there's well, one song that he's like, "We're together today, to apart tomorrow." And not just his music, but his romantic comedies are always like him, yeah. like a shy. He, he, he he's playing more of the shy, abashed time, and very the anti James Dean, I would say. Yeah, well, also like during this time, they're they're saying that people were experimenting with like a not super super manly, yeah, you know, uh, lead actors, kind of like they are now. I feel like. Nowadays, I think we're going through that kind of a phase again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's pretty I think they're they were, their songs are cute, and almost see. I like to think in my own mind that they're talking to each other first. They definitely are. Young love. I, I was like, did, did, well, we, no, because I'm not thinking they're picking stop, these Zachary, songs, stop. dude. I don't, I don't think care. They are. I don't care that uh, it's not canon. <laughs> it's canon that they canon. did it. Oh, it's okay. canon. I'm that's sorry. Fine. That's fine. Um, but they do eventually have to. Break up that oh, romance. They have to part ways, man. They, 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 you know what I find interesting is that they're both working at careers, and they, like, really... I wish they would have had more conversations about... Like, it seems like their conversation started to kind of break apart, too. Um, because they find themselves in pretty similar spots. Tab's been frustrated with all of his roles, and Tony... He, he does this play at one point in, in New York, and Tab goes to see it, and his nerves... Tony's nerves just, like, get the better of him, and he asks tab how did i do and tab's like you know it seems like you're holding back you're just really holding back and it just is heart-wrenching to tony right but he does take it to heart and the next time tab sees him in that same performance he says it was mesmerizing like he was so good once he just like lets go and i feel like that's tony in a nutshell is like he's always just so like tight up that he can't really just let go well also i feel like that's good of like tab to do Mm -hmm. it's it's good of tab to do and also like you're going back and you see the progress and stuff that's definitely something that one of tony's future lovers wouldn't do yeah um just because it's relevant right now um uh his future uh lover um grover he would sometimes just go and like watch the first one and then he'd be like i didn't like it and he like stopped going and watch oh, like no, stuff. that's horrible yeah. that's so like, sad it made me feel really bad so the breakup okay let's talk about the breakup for a second the breakup like i said like they were just seeing each other less and less right they're seeing each other less and less their careers were really busy they were they were both like constantly booked on things they were doing things it was it was very busy time for both of them also studio interference right the studios the Paramount, not studios, Paramount well, yes. had been trying to break them up for such a long time that I don't think they necessarily succeeded. I don't think it was necessarily them that did it. I think it was an amalgamation of all of these different factors in their relationship. The fact that they had to be so private about it, they had to hide everything, that they had to like, you know, probably finding beards and doing stuff like that were probably <laughs> just too difficult to do at a certain point. Um the fact that they weren't seeing each other enough, you know, they're not texting. They can't do that, <laughs> right? Um, or for, for for Paramount, maybe a little bit too much. Maybe a little too much texting, a little too much sexting and FaceTiming. Um, no, I mean, they, they can't. They're not doing all of that. Their relationship seems more exhausting than anything. And now with Paramount really, like, hammering it down to try to get them broken up, 
it almost seems like maybe Tony thought it was more worth it than not to just end the relationship just to be separate and they both just went their separate ways. I'm not sure if it would have been Tony the one to end the relationship. And I don't think anybody ended the relationship. I think they just like stopped calling each other after a certain amount of time. Well, really how it's framed on in Split Image is that it was the studios, that the studios finally it? succeeded. It was like the studio's success that, you know, they were finally not together. And I think that, that this was kind of a straw for like, like kind of the last straw in terms of like a studio interference for Tony. I guess. I don't know. I think it just seems like it was the relationship was more trouble than it was worth. And it was probably not even forefront in their minds the, that they needed to break up or anything. They, I, I, I am assuming that they just kind of stopped talk, talking to each other. But, you know, we got two different accounts here. So I guess we'll kind of. I'm assuming to, there was some drama. It was drama. Dramatic. Somebody was somebody, yelling. Somebody were, almost got run crying. over. And a Thunderbird and the, Baby Blue Thunderbird. The, they said, you're, you're number one in my life anyways. <laughs> it doesn't matter what. This is what's going to happen at the end of the Tab and Tony movie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Tony. Tony goes on to do Psycho, which is his role. This is the role that he is known for. Defined. Right? Defined by this yes. role. And this role follows him for the rest of his life as well. Tab was, like I said earlier, Tab was having a lot of contention with Warner Brothers. And he was like really, he was wanting to pick roles. He was wanting to go out and do these roles that he wanted to do. He got to go out and do Gunman's Walk. He was super proud of that one. That's probably one of his proudest roles that he's ever had. He did Damn Yankees. Um So he was trying to branch out and do other things, and Warner Brothers was still not really letting him do that. They were not tightening their leash, or they were not loosening their leash, and and it it seems like Tab was just over it. And so he asked them, "Well, how much is it to like buy myself out, right?" And in today's money, it was a couple million dollars. So like he paid that money. I feel like that could have been like another movie's worth, right? Yeah, it is. I I think at some point we'll just have to cover Tab and this whole career, like all in one episode too, right? I feel like we don't even have enough time to do that. But basically, uh, Warner Brothers just goes out and gets another Tab Hunter, you know? They they get somebody who's blonde haired, blue eyed, looks exactly like him. He shows up one day at Warner Brothers Studios and has these. What is it, Trevor Donahue or something like that? It, it's probably whoever whoever they cast as the top Tab Hunter. Uh, it was yeah, I don't know. It was it was a. Uh, was it Trevor? It was Troy Donahue. Troy Donahue. Troy I knew Donahue. it was a Donahue. Yeah. Uh. It had to start with the T, though, <laughs> didn't it? So basically, his his gamble, him paying to buy his own contract out, was a flop because he goes on to try to get these roles, and Warner Brothers is sticking their own guy in there and getting those roles instead. And so Tab's not really getting these roles that he wanted, and his career starts to kind of nosedive a little bit. Well, they also want to stick it to him. You know, hey, if you're not oh, going to play absolutely. our way, and they were then like you're not going to get it. pushing, pushing this other guy yeah. to be the Tab Hunter, right? They really wanted Tab to fail. And he does a little bit, you know? Um, but then we switch over to Tony, and Tony has got success from, from Psycho finally. You know? Okay, He's, so... Tony got success with Psycho. He was so excited to work with Alfred Hitchcock. And at the time, I think Alfred Hitchcock had been doing a lot of TV stuff. Yeah. So people were like, oh, you're moving into TV. Oh, we're so sorry for you. We're so sorry that this is happening to you. And it was like a secret project name or whatever. Yeah. And apparently, Alfred Hitchcock is known as being like the James Cameron kind of like director, like treats the, the cast. We like could do a shit. whole episode on, on Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. Yeah. But he, he and like Tony apparently were like of the same intellectual mindset or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like Tony brought a lot to his character and it was like one of those characters that Tony just really had a, 
a big love for like getting it through. Like it was, it was one of the one times that he felt super comfortable on set. Yeah. You know, this was, was the kind of set that he wanted to be on. Very strict, very regimented, very by the times as we were talking it just about fit before. his personality yes. type, right? And the role fit his personality type. And he like, has even said that he was Norman Bates. He just said, at some point, I just admitted it. I am Norman Bates, right? Yeah, and I mean, he has mommy issues. kind of crazy. And he's like yeah. older woman issues, you know? It's just, it's so weird. He, he has women how issues. How well he did f- f- fall into that role. He also did a, a role with Orson Welles uh, called the, in, in the movie The Trial, um, which was basically another mentally disturbed character right so he starts getting typecast as this mentally disturbed character because of psycho and how well psycho did but also a little bit going back um uh tony was also super frustrated with paramount right so he also buys his own self out of his own contract too correct he does so okay so at this point so he's really excited about psycho Mm -hmm. and it seems like his career is picking back up right but now everybody's just recognizing him from psycho and it seems like his new typecast so he says freak it i'm gonna buy myself out and he buys himself out of his contract, and he moves to uh, Europe, to, yeah. and he starts doing like a string of European he films. Has, I like it. Yeah, we mentioned that a little bit earlier. And he does a lot of work over in Europe, throughout Europe. You know, he does a lot of work. Some good, some buy. Some some buy. Some good, some buy. <laughs> some gays. <laughs> um, he, he he does a lot of work during during that time, but at the same time, he starts starting an on and off relationship with this other actor called. And eventual like choreographer called Grover Dale. That was like seven years too. That was a long relationship. It, it was seven years. Is more long distance at the front because he was in uh, Europe, and then uh, uh, n- uh, then they were ended up actually living together. Mm-hmm. So they're together from 1964 to 1971, and this was his first live-in boyfriend. Yeah, and they actually lived in Helen's home, and it was actually really weird because eventually Grover kicked Helen out of her own home. And Tony Perkins felt so bad about it that he gave her like a hundred fifty thousand dollars settlement. Oh my gosh! Yes. Wow. Um, but they continued to be friends. She was like, "There's no way I'm throwing away a twenty-two year relationship." Everybody's just, just very guy. closet about everything. They're like, "Okay, yeah. whatever. Take my role. Take take fear strikes out. I'm okay with it." Well, it was such a big relationship for them. They turned into kind of like the premier, uh, like example of what a gay professional open relationship mm-hmm. would be in the theater industry you know like and they would host like parties and they were together and it seemed like for the most part that they were kind of happy and this was actually at the start of like the um well towards the towards the end uh, two years before the end of the relationship was 1969 when the stonewall riots happened in new york yeah. as well and perkins and dale were considered at that point they were considered the role models the professionals of, of what it meant to be like a gay theater personality. It does seem like they were a couple that fed off of each other's negative ideals though. Yes. It didn't seem like the healthiest relationship. Yeah. They both had struggled with their sexuality their entire lives. They both kind of had the ideal of the perfect American family and that they wanted to fit into that. Right. So yes, it's actually each other that kind of spurred, they go into Conversion therapy together, so don't they? They go into therapy. So it, it's described that they start going into conversion therapy before they actually do, but they actually go into therapy with Mildred Newman. Yeah, and Mildred Newman. Mildred Newman. And yeah. This is at the beginning of a new wave of psychology where conversion therapy is like the new hotness. And uh, Mildred Newman and Bernard Berkowitz start publishing a book called How to Be Your Own Best Friend, which is basically the, the, the shrink's guide to like how to like be a heterosexual through positivity. Yeah. And um, they convince basically Dale that he needs to be a straight man. And so he leaves 
um, Tony. Mm-hmm. So, so then Tony's convinced that he also needs to be a straight man too. Because Mildred basically convinces Tony that everything bad happening in his life is because he's gay. Yes. And that if he was not gay, that his life would improve. And so they have all of these different different sessions, right? They have all of these different sessions that end in confessing their sins. And Tony is always crying in these sessions and having a really hard time. It's like really weighing on him emotionally, you know. Um, those sessions where they just are kind of talking it out move into electroshock therapy yes. also. And it's kind of described as light electroshock therapy. So but – it, 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 so he explains this actually to Tab Hunter. Tab, uh, him and Tab Hunter were in another movie in 1971. It was a Western. Yeah. Uh, like Joe something. I'm sorry. The Life and Times of Joe. Uh, Life and Roy. Times of Judge Roy Bean. <laughs> and he tells Tony, it's, uh, you know, at first we started talking. You know, she like talked about, hey, think about you having sex with a girl. I'd break down crying. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, uh, started, and then she prescribed light electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that like really disturbs me is that how it's described as light electroshock therapy when the the effects of it well, prove yeah. that it was not light electroshock therapy. Tony Perkins had maintained his looks, his boyish looks for for a while, and as soon as he starts electroshock therapy, he's aging pretty rapidly. He's also develops a stutter that he had not had since. You know, his like teen years, childhood. Exactly. He when they also, used to make him do the yes. things that he didn't want to do. And he is like, even needs help walking sometimes. You know, he's like, this is, this is not light yes. electroshock therapy, even light electroshock therapy. What is that? What is that? He, you know? he, he has issues with his scenes, with remembering his lines and yes. stuff like that. And, um, not only that, so they prescribe the electroshock therapy, but she also prescribes one, um, having sex with a woman yes. and two, marrying a woman. So he has sex with his first woman on the set of, he begins an affair on the set of, um, the life and time of judge Roy Bean, mm-hmm. the movie that he's doing with tab Hunter. He has sex and, uh, starts, a, uh, an affair with a woman named Victoria. Is it Victoria principal? Prince? Yes. Victoria principal. Um, and this is a little bit before he eventually meets his own wife, Barry. Yes. Berenson. Um, well, because uh, uh, after this, so he's, uh, you know, this is a big success. He had sex with a woman. You know, he has electroshock therapy. These are signs of success. And so he's very much playing into this. And he kind of becomes a Hollywood advocate um, for their book, for How to Be Your Own Best Friend by Mildred Newman and Bernard Berkowitz. He, and he'd take it with him everywhere he is to go. A big supporter of Mildred. Uh, he, yeah. yeah he, and he, always singing yes. her praises, even though everything that the way it's described, his treatment and everything was abusive. Yes. It was abuse. I mean, he was suffering was, even further abuse. You know, this is what really makes me feel so bad for this guy is that he lived a life of back to back abuse. Throughout his entire life, right? Like, it wasn't the gay that was making his life so upsetting. It was the fact that he was being abused and bullied for being gay. You mm-hmm. know? Like, growing up, uh, being forced into sports because he was too feminine, right? Or being bullied at those sporting events because he didn't know how to play baseball or do all of these things, um, being bullied by Hollywood and by studio executives and by directors. There's even like, so there was a, there was a, he did a musical a little bit before. Oh my God, my notes are everywhere. <laughs> he did a musical called Green Willow, the Green Willow musical. Um, and the writer of that musical found out that Tony was gay and 
hate had so this like disgusted him and he hated it so much that he even wrote a a musical number for Tony called Never Will I Marry that Tony had to sing because and it's just further bullying even in his work Wait, now you, you, Never Will I Marry however Tony did <laughs> get nominated for another Tony because of this musical so it's, I mean, a little win for him there, but it's just like it is back to back to back abuse from all of these people. No wonder he'd go and he'd he'd follow anybody who told him that, hey, the reason your life is so shit and that you're crying all the time is because you're gay. Maybe you should change that. I'd be like, sure, that's exactly it. Let me try this. Nothing else is fucking working. Let me do this. Plus, his only stable relationship has left him, and he has yes. such an unhealthy relationship with women in his life, especially women women of authority in his yeah. life, that when Mildred, another woman in his life, tells him, hey, this is what you need to do, you know, he trusts her, yeah. and he becomes her, her, her celebrity advocate, um, and he starts a new uh, movie called Play It As It Lays. Uh, which is him, I guess, like formally, artistically denouncing his sexuality. Mm -hmm. He plays a gay man in this movie um, who basically denounces his sexuality. Yeah. And that's him. Like he's he's basically playing his own role in, in, in life. And that was like him doing that. And it was supposed to be like this huge. It, it, it's, it's one of his favorite movies that he's ever done mm -hmm. in his favorite roles. And it was supposed to be huge. But he was kind of uh, what what is it called? When they don't recognize you, like in in award shows and stuff like that. That enigma. Sn I don't snibbed, know. snobbed, snibbed, snubbed, snubbed. He was like snubbed for it, and then. But while he was on the set, he was like giving out, giving out, you know, Copies these the books, book. you know, and then and then he, he he got the director and people to start doing it. Joel Schumacher, who's a, a director that everybody knows, talked about created uh, Batman's nipples, created ba ba <laughs> Batman's nipples, and a lot more. Um, talked about like the book itself, and then a, a lot of other people, you know, were really shocked about like the way he was going with this, and a lot of other people were were, were talking about how kind of disgusting it was that people's voices were getting behind yeah. um, this whole narrative. It, was, it, it is disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting, but also so understandable that he would fall into this way of life, right? And no, it is, yeah. Path. Um, he did, he, he, so there was a woman who was photo uh, photographing him early in the 70s that he met, um, Barry, Barry Berenson. Berenson. And that, she eventually became his wife, right? Yes. She knew him, and she knew that he was gay, and but she... You know, he told her, no, I'm in electroshock therapy. I'm I'm going to live a straight life. And they they do fall in love. They get married. They have two sons, you know, and they stayed married until his death. They do stay married till, till his death. Um, and they're made, married for a while. And this shocks, like, his community. Yeah. Um, but also, at the, at the same time, um, she is somebody who, before this, was very well known for, like, her type in men were, were gay. Mm. You know, uh, you should go from gay man to gay man to gay man. Mm. And somebody did, you know, suspect that one of the reasons she really liked gay men is because she wasn't as sexual as other people. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to call her asexual or anything like that, but she didn't, wasn't overtly sexual. And it seemed like more she wanted companionship than anything else, mm -hmm. which maybe really worked very well for the relationship. I think the relationship was not, it doesn't sound like it was a bad relationship. It sounds no, it like it was pretty toxic. a healthy relationship. And I do believe that soulmates don't have to be a romantic partner. They, yeah. they could have had a romantic relationship. I mean, as far as we know, the way they put it out there, they did have a romantic relationship. But even if they didn't, they could have been soulmates. They could have been best friends. They could yeah. have had these two sons and had a really happy life together. And sex could sex doesn't always have to be the first and foremost thing in yeah. everybody's relationship, right? Like, every relationship is different. And I think I, 
I think it's safe to say that he was probably still hooking up with other guys. It's, it was it's very not only much safe rumored. to say, it's yes. factual. Yes. Um, he, he, he still hooked up with all, all the same guys as before. Yeah. Um, uh, there's like a, another photographer that he'd hook up with. And, and whenever she'd go out of time, out of t- town, he would hook up with like a lot, yeah. a lot of guys. I mean, even backstage, there was there was all of these stories that you know he would have all these younger guys come to his his you know dressing room backstage when he was doing different plays, mm-hmm. and everybody knew what was going on in there. You know, like he was not cured. You cannot be cured. You know, it's, he was still very it sexually was a weird mental blockage. Yes, um, but as far as we know, they had a really happy life. They had the two great sons that they you yes. know really adored. Um, one of their sons was Oz Perkins, who was in Legally Blonde. Yes, yeah. yes. And we you, looked him if up. If you remember the scene of Elle Woods going up to, um, it's the nerdy guy in their Harvard group, and she goes up to them when two girls are like kind of heckling him. And she says, you didn't call me last night. How could you? And she slaps him, and then the girls are interested in him. That's that's Anthony Perkins' son, you know? Yeah. That's pretty, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, well, well, because like this is a very interesting time in his career where he yeah. starts to he has some good movies uh, and he plays gay a couple times too, and then it's, he he's also in Murder, Murder in the Orient Express and it seems Mahogany. like his roles were very uh, spread apart. Not even that, but his career was kind of on a a sameness trajectory. It wasn't going down. It wasn't really going up. A it was sinusoidal just kinda, line. He was getting a lot of work still. He was still very yeah. much working. You know, he never really stopped working. Um, but his big career comeback kind of came when Psycho 2 came out yes. um, in 1983. I love, so I love Psycho, but Psycho 2, that is a movie. Like, that is so good. Never I seen it. love Psycho 2. I have, uh, I have a DVD collection of Psycho 2, 3, and 4. And Psycho 2 and 3 are actually pretty good movies. Psycho 2 is a really, really good movie. And Anthony Perkins is phenomenal in it. He directs Psycho 3. Um, going back to Tab a little bit. So Tab, during the 70s, remember, because he's replaced by <laughs> Troy Donahue. Troy Donahue. Um, so throughout the 70s. Troy Donahue. I don't know, not Tab Hunter, baby, not Tab <laughs> Hunter. Um, but he doesn't really work throughout the 70s. He has like four movie roles and then does like a slew of, of guest TV spots, right? Um, does a lot of horse stuff, doesn't he? His, well, he just loves horses, you yeah. know? He does a lot. He, he, well, because he, he starts competing professionally. Yes. Um, and so he, but his Hollywood career has kind of taken a nosedive. And yes. it's kind of just like he's not really there anymore. It's actually during the 80s that his career is revived and... Who does he have to thank for it? The queer community. Yes. Right? Um, he leans in. He does a John Waters film in the 80s, in the early 80s, called Polyester. And that film does really well, actually. You know, at Cannes, it's get a lot, it got a lot of buzz. It's campy. Everybody knows it's campy. He stars in it with Devon, and they have a really great dynamic. Um, and then he goes on to, so this is like a career resurgence for him, and people are talking about him again. And so he is getting a little bit more work. And at one point, he goes into the Fox Studios offices, and he's going to pitch a, a sort of a parody of an old Hollywood Western that he wants to do with Devon yeah. again um, called Love, uh, Love, and, Love and Lust. <laughs> Lust and Love. Lust and Love. Um and he meets his partner of 35 years. He goes and he pitches this to Alan Glasser. Um, at the time, Alan Glasser is about 23, 24 years old. Um, Tab is a good 52 years older than, than Alan. Um, so it's 52 years older. Quite the Wait. age difference. Yes. What year did he say this was? This was 1983, 84. Okay. Yeah. 
They it is it, it is an age difference. Um, okay. They but they were together for thirty five years. So they have this meeting and he's pitching him this. But Tab is like instantly struck by how like knowledgeable this young guy is. He keeps calling him you know the this this kid mogul you know child mogul, um, and how knowledgeable this guy is about films and you know film history and all of that. Yeah, in the industry, and Alan's really into the idea of this of this you know western parody and uh they become like a t- they team up and become a duo dynamic duo yeah tab asks him out to lunch and he accepts and then tab gets him i thought this was really cute he gets him a card that has a like two hands holding a crystal ball and inside the crystal ball is an oscar and he inscribes it um i see bright things in your future and gives it to alan glasser you know mm. what what it's just cute and very encouraging and it's very nice um yeah, and again, they're together 35 years. They get married in 2013, about five years before Tab dies. I didn't know that they got married, married. Mm-hmm. They got married, so. And then Alan Glasser is really, you know, I would say pretty responsible for getting Tab's career going again, Back right? Back on track. Because they finance this movie, they have it with Divine, and it's it's it gets buzz again, you know? Um, it's interesting that Tab's career, you know, the queerness of himself was what he tried so hard to hide and it's the same thing that kind of revitalized his career you know i think that is very interesting um and then as time goes on you know at a certain point he he stops working as much and he says that he was happy to be forgotten you know yeah um he kind of did what he wanted to do until tab confidential tab hunter (laughs) confidential came out which which his his producer husband had a big hand getting together both the book and the documentary and his husband is uh was on board with the with the movie and was helping to produce the movie. His husband's a, a very big producer. Um, okay, so Tab and Tony are broken up, right? Like they they don't speak for years and years and years. I think it's it's mentioned in the documentary. This was kind of misleading. I thought in the in the documentary, Lust in the Dust. That's what <laughs> that's what the movie was called, Lust in the Dust. Um, but it, it, it's kind of misleading in the documentary because it, it goes from they kind of broke up and then later on. Um, Alan says, oh, we need to cast Lust in the Dust. What about Anthony Perkins? And Tab's like, oh, I know Anthony. But they'd met before, and we kind of touched on this in the life of time. They were filming a movie together, Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean, you know? Um, but at that time, Tony was really trying to lead this straight yeah, life. it sounds so, like they had, like, one conversation. Yeah, and I wonder if maybe there were any other conversations during that. I don't know. That it doesn't sound about. like it. It doesn't sound like it, but I would hope they would. Or tryst. Yeah, um... um but what's weird about that is like he says that you know Alan Glasser had no clue that he and Tony had been together. Y'all have been together for a little bit now at this point, right? You would think that I they would talk so. about past it was, relationships, it was, right? I mean, past relationships, maybe. Yeah, I would assume so. You know, like. But he was like, together ha, 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 for years you don't and know. Years, but they had to have been together for like a year, right, before he goes to see Anthony yeah. Perkins. But maybe it seems like Tab was still kind of keeping things very maybe, close to yeah, the Yeah, maybe he still doesn't. Yeah. Maybe this is when he really let loose. But Alan Glasser suggests Tony Perkins, and then uh, uh, Tab decides that he's going to go see Tony, right? Because this is right after Psycho 2 comes out again. So, like, Tony is, like, the big name kind of going around again. And so Tab goes to visit Tony. And in the book, he kind of, you know, he says that... I went to his house, asked him if he was interested in the role. He said no, and I really enjoy this paragraph in the book because it, they, he, he makes it very clear that I didn't 
at once or not once passed judgment on the way he was living his life now you know that he had a wife that he had kids he seemed to be happy and he was chasing his own pursuit of happiness and i was happy for him for that and he turned down the role and i wasn't gonna speculate on his reasons for turning down the role which kind of hinted that maybe he thought um, it's too gay not not too gay maybe too gay but also like them working together you know if that would spark anything oh, yeah. that's kind of in my own fantasy <laughs> kind of, um, well good for Alan Glasser but he said I'm, I wasn't going to speculate on that and I won't speculate on that now and they just that's the last time they ever see each other um, Tab leaves the house and that's the last time they see each other now we're coming towards the end of uh, Tony's life and career uh, we find out that he has AIDS he actually finds out that he has AIDS through a tabloid that's so shitty too right yeah that a, in nurse, a nurse leaked his blood information because yes. he had what Bell's palsy at Bell's one palsy point. and so he got some blood drawn and uh, a nurse leaked it that the blood you know results came back that he had AIDS and yes. he's standing in the grocery store and sees it on a fucking tabloid and then he has to go in and, and get rechecked and it, it, obviously you know they're open so I don't think that they're super shocked, shocked at this point, but it's very like it's 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 an emotional turmoil for him and his family. But he yeah. continues to work, and they keep it very secret. They yes. don't tell anybody. They don't really tell anybody. And then when Tab, at one point, Tab finds out from the news that um, Tony has AIDS, and he decides he's going to call Tony. Right? Or does he know that Tony has AIDS, or is he just going to call him out of the blue? So what is that? Uh, okay. What's up is that so like after all this time. Um, Tab says that he has a hunch to call Perkins okay. after hearing that he has AIDS and he reaches for the phone to call him. And when he reaches for the phone, he hears on the radio that he's passed away. Yeah, that Tony has passed away. And so Tab never gets that last chance to talk to Tony, right? It's uh, And it's sad and it's almost like... It's I I guess he d- he didn't need to you know like like I sometimes believe in stuff happening mm-hmm. for a reason, and he like he felt that he needed to talk to Tony yeah and at that point Tony was gone and I believe it and you I know? believe I believe him too right so like we kind of discussed earlier that we don't know if they would have stayed together had they you know been together in another in another time well um, and sometimes romance is for the. Sometimes you know, it's time. for the now, and I. Yeah. But I still think that that ro- romantic relationship really was formative for both of them. Um, I think it really impacted both of their lives. But it's really sad how it played out that Tony was never really able to accept that that side of himself, even though it does seem like he came more. He became more at peace. I wouldn't say accepted his sexuality, but became more at peace with who he was and himself and his life. Yes, towards the end of his life. And, and, and then it, Tab, Tab had a 35-year relationship with somebody, right? Like, he said, this is me, and did it. And I still, like, reading the book, you still feel, like, some, you know, like, internalized homo- homophobia. But I think that's more of a dated mindset, I think Yeah, it's like, I don't like labels, I don't, think, I don't like all that stuff. Yeah. Which is, which is okay, like, I, I still have internalized homophobia. Like, it's something that I need to work through myself. And mm. from somebody back then, you know, them working through it, like, that's always progress. Yeah. So. Let's talk about the movie. The movie. Oh, do you, do so there was, the yeah, so um, Tab Hunter died in 2018, and it was, it was either right before this or not long after. I believe it was not long after it was announced that there was a movie version or uh, it, was it a movie or TV it, it series? Was, it, it's a, no, a project. Uh, well, a project. I think it was a movie. Uh, a works. movie called Tab and Tony. Tab and Tony. <laughs> um, um, it was being made by J.J. Abrams, Zachary Quinto, and then Alan Glasser was also on yes. board to produce it as well. 
And guess what studio uh, was actually uh, that they were doing oh for? Oh my gosh, Warner Brothers? No. no. Paramount. No shit. <laughs> oh my goodness. This After is Paramount trying to break them up so hard. Wow. They were actually going to profit off of their story. Gotta Isn't remember, that kind of crazy? I remember about? the people in Paramount are different, though. I know, like, right? I know, so I know. But like, I'm like, that is Ugh. irony. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but that movie kind of it seems like I don't know if it was like put on hold because of COVID, but it definitely has not been. Yeah, sort of talked about. It's not going. It hasn't been going forward. It doesn't seem like. So. Yeah. It, it, last I saw, the last update was 2019. Them talking about it. And yeah. Really, COVID started 2020, and. Uh, nothing's been picked up from it, which is, I think, understandable. But they need to get on it because this is yes. a story that would make money. It would be, it would be something that people want to see, and I would almost want to, like a little mini series from it, not a full series where they do multiple seasons. But I would do a little mini series. I think, uh, I think there's so much I, story I, I, here. I, I think a feature film is where this is best. You know. I, th- I think we these are movie stars and they deserve a movie. But then a feature film. So this is where I find these uh, biopics really good, right? Is like there was a, a film that Michelle Williams did about Marilyn Monroe and that took place over like a couple days. Um, I think if they were going to do something like a feature film, it would have to take place either over a couple weeks or a couple days. One singular time period, right? That's – yes, I don't want it to like – I don't want a two-hour movie that – three four years are shoved into i don't want that i would That's rather if they're gonna do what that i don't want well then i would rather it be like six to eight episodes no yes i'm sorry yes. are you producing this <laughs> i don't think you are guys i think this is the good comment for the question uh, <laughs> qu- qu- question for the question for the comments is how, how would you see this project going forward as like a sort of mini series a full you know TV series with multiple seasons or just like a movie, you know, like, like the notebook was a Pitch full movie that took place over years. Yeah. I think that you can definitely do tab and Tony pitch us your tab and Tony movie. Let us know who you cast, how you're going to put it out there. What time period it takes place. During. You know what, what guys, let's get the excitement up about <laughs> tab and Tony so that we actually get this movie. Yes. Let's do yes. it. Let's do it. But we will pay our gay dollars for this. I think they both have such unique stories that we could do like full episodes on each of them. Um, so we'll have to do that an, at another time. Maybe we'll do a live stream or something. Maybe, with maybe we'll revisit it. Something at like some that. Point. Yeah. Um, next Monday, we're going to be covering uh, Ray, not Ray Donahue. <laughs> Troy Donahue. <laughs> Scotty Bowers. Scotty and, Bowers. And the sex lives of Hollywood stars, right? It's very scandalous and tabloidy, yes. but we're going to, a lot of you wanted us to do it. So we're halfway through the book right now. It is very scandalous. It let is me very tell you. scandalous and also sounds like a lot of bullshit to and me. You probably should not yeah. listen to it while you're at the gym. Let me just, <laughs> just giving you a little. Oh, oh my goodness. There. But, okay. Well, we've come to the end of Tab and Tony, a hidden Hollywood romance. We hope you guys liked both parts. I know it's a little all over the place, but we're learning our storytelling skills. We're practicing. We're getting better. So, yes. Yeah. Stay tuned for next week. Scotty Bowers on Friday. We're going to talk Selena. Yes, we're going to talk Selena. It was her birthday just on Saturday. So, yeah. So we're very excited about this. We we were not prepared for her birthday, or we would have just done Friday's episode on that. But we're going to do this Friday's episode on that now. We weren't prefer- prepared yeah. for her birthday, but we were still at a birthday Selena brunch <laughs> <laughs> that day. But uh, you guys have an excellent week, and I hope that um, everything... Positive vibes to everyone. Positive vibes to everything. Everything you want to go right this week is going to happen this week. I wish I had like spray like they do on the like... Breathe in. We'll see you. <laughs> Bye.